Welcome to Expounded Universe, Season 2, Episode 8. His name was Hethrier. He was a dancer. With your hosts, Jeff and John. The book, The Crystal Star, by Vaughn Sh- McIntyre. The year, 1994, Chapter 8. Let's go. This would be great if Danzig was in charge of the Empire Reborn. I got a yup now for you. He's a big pile of dicks covered in gold. The Patriarch. Set my jackhammer to kill. <laughs> Welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars Expanded Universe novel discussion podcast. One of many dozens, I am sure, but the we, only one that I'm on. We've got so many descriptors for this podcast. We have to, because we do such a very specific thing on it. And we by the way, drill this mother down. I'm Jeff, that's John, and we really need to be descriptive. I mean, there's a lot of things this could be. It discusses Star Wars expanded universe fictional novels. So first of all, no nonfiction. Yeah, no, none of those nonfiction Star Wars expanded universe novels. Yeah, we aren't talking about the, the actual Patton and his role in Star Wars. Uh, we aren't talking about the Bay of Pigs invasion and its effect on the Naboo lakes. Yes, we, we aren't. We aren't doing those things. We, but this is so, so. It's it's fiction only. Second, expanded universe is actually a very specific group of Star Wars novels. Uh, there's a lot of novels that are about Star Wars expanded fiction that are not part of the expanded universe, which has since been retitled to Legends. Lando's. 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 Come on now. Oh, okay. Very good. So, it is a very specific show, but that's what we're here to do, and we do it slowly, and we do it well. Well, we definitely do it slowly. <laughs> okay, fine. We're really milking this. <laughs> anyway, I'm Jeff, that's John, and this is going to be Chapter 8 of the 1994 Vonda McIntyre, The Crystal Star. Yeah, it certainly is. So, uh, where do we leave our heroes, John? Each and every one of our heroes. Uh, They were all in a... Uh, quite a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see. The kids had been escorted back to their rooms. The, ki- the kids are back in their Nazi concentration camp. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, Han had just seen uh, Waru kill a Nithorian child. Yeah, straight up crushing on a dude. Yeah. And uh, then we had our <laughs> Leia. I'm sorry, has- who? Uh, oh, I, I'm sorry. Lalila yeah, and Lalila. Ahab yeah. have gotten together with Riau. Yes, and they're all hanging out together on Alderaan, which apparently is the ship that is not participating in this Stanislavski method. Yeah. Because it's still called Alderaan. There's no point where they name it like Lalila's Bounty or something. Yeah. Oh, no. This isn't Alderaan. This is uh, B-28-5C. It's a different planet. No one lives there. They haven't bothered to name it yet. It's Dantooine. The planet, the ship's name is Dantooine. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a reference. It's, I get it. You get it. I get that. That's a Star Wars thing. It's a Star Wars reference here on this Star Wars podcast. My godness. I feel like we're wasting time. That should have been like a, like a MASH reference or maybe an extended discussion about those click here now if you have more time things at the bottom of every web article. <laughs> Oh, you won't believe what happened to Chum Lee. No, I, I won't believe who the fuck Chum Lee is. Who is that? Why do you keep showing me pictures of this fat guy? Hey, you, we, here's 15 reasons why Hollywood won't hire Allison Hannigan again. <laughs> it's her and Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Yeah. Why won't they hire Brendan Fraser? You won't believe the shocking reason. Uh, is it because he aged out of it? It's because he stopped giving a fuck. Is he, did he retire? Because those all kind of make sense to me as reasons. Yeah. I, but yeah, there's always the one. It's like you won't believe what happened to Chum Lee, and I'm like, is that some reality show? 
Is he a child actor? What are we doing? They just keep showing me this fat dude. And they're like, you won't believe it. And I'm like, no, I, 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 I will. I'm pro- I probably would. I would believe any story at all about that guy because he is a completely new character to me. Yeah. He's, he's, he's real new on the scene. I don't know what's going on with him. <laughs> I actually looked him up. He's from Pawn Stars. Oh, good. I, Great. Sure. I, I care not even in the slightest. What about, how about, John, a picture of some eggs or packing material or something, and then it's like, probiotics? You won't believe what doctors say. And it's still, it's just like a picture of an egg. Uh, <laughs> see, but that's for, that's for people who already don't believe what doctors say. <laughs> that's true. Oh, well, trust me, I know what doctors say. I boiled coke until it turned into a black sludge, so I think I'm a scientist. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely like a Middle Ages <laughs> alchemist at this point. I've put things under fire. I got them wet. That's that's what's getting me at this point is all these, like, you see all these articles are like, this is definitely full of toxins. We can tell because we boiled it. And I'm like, that's not that's not how you... Why are you? Why are you a mid, uh, like a mid nineteenth century apothecary? What are you doing? Nineteenth <laughs> century. Why are people reinventing science on Facebook? What is the, what is that? Yeah, I don't understand why people have decided to go back in time to be like, yeah, sure, I'm an old timey guy who's decided that boiling things tells me how and whether or not it has toxins and. Also, uh, your humors. We're going to talk yeah. about your humors now. If you boil anything made of sugar and food coloring, it's going to turn into a black sludge. That's not a big surprise. <laughs> it doesn't tell us that there's there's horrible poison in Coke. It tells us that there's sugar in it, and sugar turns to caramel. <laughs> that's that's what we learn. Yay. I don't understand. But anyway, uh, why don't we get back to the actual show, shall we? Why don't we? Yeah. So uh, today, Riao has more or less recovered, and she is... Eating that stew. She's eating stew in the same way that the previous, what do we call him, Frank? Uh, well, yeah, he's he's nameless Frank. Yeah, he's nameless Frank. He's the Frank with no name. Yeah. So that's the previous Ferrario, the only other Ferrario we met from this ship, uh, who who is now powering up the ship to leave off in the background. You can see him through the windows doing this. Uh, but Rial was eating some of that stew in you the same way. You can see him naked, dick hanging out, <laughs> he was just naked. flipping switches. They were, they're both naked. Both of these Ferrario are naked. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, they're in Freezy Doodles. You don't, you know, put someone in a Freezy Doodle in their full clothes. But is this Futurama? It is not. Oh, good. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, it is Futurama, John. I wasn't wasn't sure. So for a second there, I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Is this Futurama? Yeah, John, today we're reviewing the third movie in the Futurama series, Bender's Big Score, in which all the characters have to go back and, like, sort of do a medieval thing where they're all, like, Final Fantasy characters. Oh, good. Yeah, so, like, Hermes is a female centaur. Nice. Yeah, it's it's not great. There's some okay jokes. <laughs> there's some jokes. There's there's a couple of pretty good jokes. Um there's a, there's a really bad gay joke in it. That that uh, anyway, moving forward. Uh so Riao has kind of recovered. She's eating stew and the very first thing she asks uh Lalila is, "Hey, did was there like a little machine on the ground near me where you found me in the the knife web I was stuck in?" Hey, this was there like a little handheld device? It it may have been buzzing a little. Yeah, that's like she's embarrassed about it. That's what's happening. It's like, look, I'm I'm looking for a little machine. It's it would be small enough to hold in your hands, uh, but also powerful enough for a lady. Probably ran on you know like D cells. I mean, okay, I get it. Look, it's a it's a small device. It's egg shaped. <laughs> It comes with a remote that has a little dial on it. It's got bunny ears. <laughs> and then there's a smaller one coming off the bottom of it, near the bottom there, kind of <laughs> like a little J shape. And But here's the problem. 
we know, you know, as readers, that she is very clearly now. This is her telling us, the reader, I'm a Jedi, because she's looking for her lightsaber. I mean, you don't know. It could have been like a communication device. Uh, well, the same chapter has us revealed that 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 Tigress is a Jedi. We're going to find out pretty soon here uh, that he thinks that his mom stole his Jedi powers. <laughs> yeah, we, we straight up stole them. Yeah, but uh, anyway, she's definitely looking for a lightsaber. I mean, it's uh, what else could she be looking for? She's trying to hide the fact she's a Jedi. Maybe I guess hope to catch this Lalila person unawares of what lightsabers are. Because everyone knows what light, even people who don't believe in the Force, like Han, for some inexplicable reason, know what lightsabers are. Yeah, I mean, I f- I feel like if you're in a spaceship and you find a lightsaber lying around, you'd be like, I'll 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 take that. Yeah, I'm gonna keep this cool lightsaber. But the problem is that because she's afraid to say lightsaber, it sounds like she is describing a personal massager, and I- I'm just it's just what it sounds like. Yeah. She's just that like was a personal item of mine. It was a small mechanical device. Oh, oh goodness! Oh no, I can't seem to find it anywhere, and I need it for personal relief. <laughs> <laughs> I've got such tension. I need to massage out. And Leia's like, "Well, I, you know, if if you want, you could just use the butt end of my lightsaber. <laughs> it does the same thing. Take it from me. You want <laughs> you just turn that on, and it's like." Brrr. Oh, man, it gets the business taken care of. <laughs> you just got to watch out. <laughs> He's got to be real careful. <laughs> I damn near took my foot off, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> tell you one thing for sure, I don't need to shave the inside of my legs that often. <laughs> uh, so that's basically just our hint hint that, that uh, Riao is probably a Jedi of some kind. Uh, Leia, I'm sorry, Lalila wants to go and activate the other ships. She wants to go wake up a couple of people from each one of the derelict uh, transport ships, uh, you know, Riau immediately is like, you probably shouldn't do that uh, because that, that seems like a giant waste of time that the, wouldn't help anything. They don't have any money. And honestly, if you woke them up, they'd just be stuck here. And then power struggles would develop on those ships. And you don't want that. And also, why do you want to wake them up anyway? You're Lalila, a bounty hunter. Remember? Hey, you remember you big idiot. Hey, do you remember? Come on now, you're you're trying to method act it's, here. It's amazing how quickly Riao sees through Leia's dumb nonsense. Everyone does. The minute she started that with fucking nameless Frank, he was like, yeah, sure, uh-huh. Uh-huh, yeah, that's cute, Lalila. And but, I'm going to say, you know, if random dude in a tube that she found knows that she's Leia, I'm going to guess Riao has the exact same amount of knowledge of the uh, fucking galaxy that he did. Yeah, but Riao's a little nicer and more patient because she's like, Okay, Lalila, but a bounty hunter wouldn't want to wake up a bunch of random strangers. It would just be a burden on her and her time. That's that's bounty hunters for you, though. But I'm sure you knew that because you're a bounty hunter. A hunter of bounties. That's you. You definitely aren't a princess turned diplomat. <laughs> no, no one thinks that. So, yeah. Also, going and waking up random people on this. Wouldn't be good from a diplomatic standpoint either. Nope. Stop it. What you should definitely not do is wake up one representative from each ship and see what they personally would like to do. <laughs> and then just let them decide for everyone. <laughs> because any one member of a species is definitely an okay representa- representative for the species as a whole. Indeed. Right? That's diplomacy. That's how that works. Uh-huh. That's why your job was chosen randomly. <laughs> anyway, basically, Riao talks her out of it. And is like, I'll tell you why those ships are here. And then she tells us a long story about Hethrir. Uh, except she won't say Hethrir till the very end of the story because it's all that Ferrario weird sense of names meaning ownership. So instead, the story is about the Imperial 
procurator of justice. And I will tell you his name. And I will tell you his name. Uh, so, basically, we get a couple of interesting confirmations throughout the course of this. First of all, yes, Hethrier did plan to live for 1,000 years. Apparently, he was like, yeah, I, I like that this happened, that the story is, oh, he was on board with the Empire a million percent from go, and was like, yeah, this is going to last forever, I'm going to last forever, and I'm going to be a god to these dumb idiots that I send out to a planet. So he chose 27 worlds and doomed them to kind of, like, for being bad to the Empire in some way, went to each one of the worlds, and uh, basically took a whole bunch of people off of them, and then destroyed the planets, loaded them up, the, the survivors up onto refugee ships, which he is going to send out to random colony worlds. And he intends to later return to these colony worlds where he will be remembered by them as a terrible god who did horrifying things to their ancestors a millennia ago. And therefore, they will, they will be all kinds of, you know, loyal and, and, and swear reverence to him and stuff. Which seems very strange. I mean, I, the whole thing is going to be, oh, they show up a thousand years later. And then they start making their civilization. So even if he lives a thousand years and then shows up, they're going to be like... Dude, we just landed. It's been like a day for us. We know you're a huge dickbag, <laughs> right? Uh, it, it's it's a bizarre plan. But anyway, he had this whole plan and put it into motion before the Empire fell. And when it fell, he decided that he couldn't wait a thousand years to cash in on his weird plan. So he went out to where all of them were in subspace and stopped them and then towed them all to one random spot in the middle of nowhere where he could stop through and kidnap children from them. Yeah, so he could sell them into slavery or part of his big plan uh, with Waru, I guess, is that he could p comb through them for Jedi. I don't know. It's yeah. it, it's all, but basically, we don't really quite get what's happening here, other than this is where he's been getting most of his children. He's been coming out to these world ships and stealing children from them. Yeah, uh, and apparently, according to to uh, Riau in this chapter, there's a chance that he has run out, and that now he actually has to kidnap children from like alive families. Yeah, from Republic worlds. Yes. And then she finally goes, and I will tell you his name, and his name is Hethrier. And everyone's like, yeah, duh. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, thanks. That would have been great if it was someone else. That <laughs> would have been amazing. And his name is Garm Bell-Iblis. And she'd be like, what, the Chancellor of the New Republic? That's not good. Oh, weird. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, wow. And his name is R2-D2. <laughs> Bleep. <laughs> Beep boop. <laughs> Wait, R2-D2's right there. Oh, no! Oh, shit! He'll burn us all to keep his secret. <laughs> <laughs> and then he has Riao's uh, lightsaber, and then he just murders all of them. Yeah, he just shoots it at her with his little Bazow. lightsaber cannon. <laughs> so, it also turns out that Tigris is the only Ferrario youth in the galaxy. Yeah. Because what Hethrier did to Ferrario is ridiculous. He killed all... He took a bunch of adults off planet, and then he murdered all the children on the planet. Yep. He was like, look, I'm just going to take a random smattering of adults from this planet and then, like, chemical bomb the rest of the people there? Yes. Okay. Eyes melt, skin explode, everybody dead. Good. Great. So uh, so that's what happened, uh, So, which means Tigris is the only young Ferrario left. Yep. Uh, which is interesting. Uh, she also notes that she personally has a special, with quotes around it, relationship with Hethrier. Yes. They're fucking. Can we just say that? Can we just... I understand it's the book code and it's going to happen a lot in this chapter, but th they, they, they're they fucking. They are boning down. Yeah, they, they are boning down. They are doing whatever this species does that is fucking. I assume it's 
<laughs> Whatever they do that is fucking. I assume it's some sort of insult-based dance. Some kind of fucking. <laughs> I think it's probably just they, they play the dozens at each other as hard as they can. Or, or they try to guess each other's names. Oh my god, how amazing would that be? An alien species that their version of fucking is playing the dozens. How many of our listeners do you think know what the fuck that is? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, enough. Okay, fair enough. Enough that I don't feel like explaining it. <laughs> <laughs> how old are we looking right now when we're actually saying playing the dozens? <laughs> Whatever, Google exists, figure it out. <laughs> so, Okay. Uh, moving forward, they record diss tracks about each other, folks. That's <laughs> There's a modern version of it. Uh, okay, so, oh, man, uh, she's she's being so nice to Leia here. Uh, but uh, meanwhile, we jump, and what, what's Heth Rear up to? Why, he's leaving his weird weird little planet thing. Yeah, he's getting on his dumb ship to go to Waru with his newfound bounty of uh, some kids. The Empire Youth Kids. So... The racket's starting to come together between Hethrier and Waru. Apparently, Hethrier's plan is to run this little Dickensian prison Nazi camp on on uh, his on his personal planet. Get the promising Jedi kids, or at least the kids who are of least value. We, we aren't sure which way it's going yet, and feed them to Waru and just watch what happens. Well, he's, I mean, the the trial that they had talked about earlier in the book is apparently he takes his new like Proctor guys and is like, here, Waru's gonna dump his nonsense all over you, and then uh, you're either going to die or live, and then if you live, great, you're coming with me. Yeah, so that's so it's the purification ritual of the Proctors, is basically just to get gooped by Waru, and just see if you can take it or not. Yeah, man, this is basically just like Hell Week for a pledge. <laughs> like, come on, pledge, you gotta eat this fish and then get golden showered by the giant can of dog food over there. <laughs> so... All right, uh, but one thing that's interesting is that we're getting this from Tigress's point of view. So, of course, we get a bunch of yada yada. Oh, I wish I was more important than I am. Oh, oh no. Oh, how I wish I could be as good as my master wants me to. And if I could just reprise three episodes ago, to wear the rust-colored tunics of a helper, or even, dare I dream, the silver-blue jumpsuits of the Proctors. <laughs> so, so, basically, he's walking along with, with a sleepy Anakin, and he gets yelled at by one of the proctors who calls him a nursemaid. Yeah. Uh, and this is interesting because Tigress is like, oh, I could tell you about your chance to die. I won't, though, because no one swore me I had to. But since no one swore I couldn't, I, I could. I could tell you that you have a chance to die. I'll hold that power close to me. Good. We also learn in his little walking monologue this time, because he's expanding on his whining topics, that the last person besides Anakin who ever hugged him was his mother, and he believes that while hugging him, she was stealing his Jedi powers. <laughs> stealing my purity of essence. Yeah, that's, and that's why I can only recover my essence by being a cock-rub warrior. <laughs> cock-rub warrior! <laughs> Fraudage is the only real gay sex. <laughs> Folks, the internet is terrifying. <laughs> Folks, don't go on the internet. <laughs> Stay off the internet. Stay here with us. <laughs> Guys, baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> Only I have the intestinal fortitude to go on the internet and learn about cockrub warriors. <laughs> or honestly, just listen to the F+. But, but pushing forward here, uh, the next thing that happens is that they all get on board the ship where Tigris is continuously insulted. Yeah, I mean, we do get at least the... The scene with him and Anakin where you're like, oh, yeah, hey, guys, nice. we're trying to establish that Tigris is redeemable because Hethrier is completely not. Like, he has murdered planets, he's a huge D-bag, and he is 
he's space Hitler right now. Yeah, he's completely evil. Tigris is kind of like, don't worry, Anakin, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, and at one point, like, when they get onto the ship, Hethrier's like, oh, you can come up to the cockpit with me. And, you know, Tigris has got a huge boner for that. Yeah, but he's like, okay, well, let me just put the kid down. And he's like, leave the kid wherever. He must learn. Only listen to me. Why would you hesitate when I give you a command? And, like, even when he's in the cockpit and he hears Anakin crying, he's like, oh, I feel bad. I wish I could go back there and help him out. Yeah, but Hethrier's just standing there going, never hesitate when I give you an instruction. Never. Well, but it's a screaming two-year-old. Never hesitate when I give you an instruction. Never. Okay. All right, sure. I guess you really enjoy the sound of screaming three-year-olds. Great. Yeah, great. Sure, whatever. He'll make a great Jedi when we're done not not raising him at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure this guy is going to be probably good food. Yeah, he's going to make the best ever Jedi Blanca. <laughs> I guess you want him to de- develop <laughs> electricity powers. <laughs> Yeah, man, he's going to get those Sith lightning powers, but only when he's huddled up in a ball. And he presses jab repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, he basically gets to ride with Hethrier up in the front of the cockpit as they ha- make their way to Cersei Station. And it turns out that Tigris has kind of a weird hyperspace obsession. Well, I mean, it is cool. It is cool, but it's like his personal life dream is to explore hyperspace. which it's is to, sort of- like, jump out in the middle of hyperspace and be like... Let me touch these weird streaky stars. Let's see what's going on out here. I really want to touch the screensaver. Yeah, that's uh, that's his deal. He's like, I want to find out what's going on in hyperspace. And I'm like, do you? Yeah. The other cool thing here is that uh, Tigris is apparently going through puberty at the moment. Because we get a scene of him being like, my hands are too big for my awkward body. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's <laughs> like, oh, gosh, my hands and feet are too big. I hope I grow into them. Becky never notices me. Oh, God. Oh, I've got all this hair now. I dropped your space taco in the fire, sir. (laughs) Uh. All right. So they are flying to Cersei Station. Yeah. Meanwhile, Han is back at the hotel, all kinds of grumpy and confused and weirded out because he just saw a kid get killed by a monster. Yeah, that is indeed what he saw. He definitely saw a... A can of dog food rolled in press-on nails kill a guy. <laughs> a wet stress ball covered in popcorn, uh, or uh, what's this shit called? Corn, Corn pops. pops. <laughs> Murdered a little kid. Yep, that's what he saw. And he is all kinds of confused, and, and his emotions are hella crazy right now. Yeah, he is freaking right out. The dude is from circumstances. <laughs> he, he is He's definitely having a moment, yeah. but uh, thankfully Zaveri is there to be like, dude, Matt. chill the fuck well, out. She's also mad at him. She's like, you wouldn't have seen this happen this way if you had done exactly what I told you to do. If you hadn't I, been a giant dumb idiot. If I told you to come with me, and I told you not to leave, and then I told you not to come back, and you did everything. You did everything I told you not to do. All I could think the whole time, though, was Zaveri, you've said as much as this is all random, that you have no idea when someone's going to get murdered. Yeah. Which means that if he kept following your plan... He might have seen someone murdered on day one when, when the Zephliffle kid yeah, showed he, up. He might have murdered that Zephliffle. You have no way of knowing whether or not that happened. Quit acting like you do. <laughs> but anyway, he's like, well, you how does we got to get alone with Waru. And she's like, I've been alone with Waru every day for the past half a year. Like, basically what we were saying last episode where it's, yo, dude, I have been under this cover for so goddamn long. I have been alone with him so much. You're freaking out. Quit trying to, like, come in and save me from this shit that I already know is going on. Yeah. Now, apparently, uh, Luke decides to pop in for a quick discussion, and both Han and and Zaveri, who watched the murder, are like, dude, we just watched Waru kill a guy. And Luke's like, no. 
No, no, no he's he a healer. He's specifically a healer. Healers don't kill people, and they're like, well, maybe he's not really a healer. Maybe healing is a side effect of his attempt to kill people. And he's like, I don't believe it. He's weird and definitely not part of the force, and I want to know what's going on in a good way. Yeah. I want to hear good answers. God, fucking... Luke's I mean, losing his mind. Luke Luke is... I'm going to go ahead and say, for me, I mean, I know you have read this book before, so you know Luke is losing his mind. No, I think he's losing his mind without having, even with, if I hadn't had read this book previously, they've been giving us enough hints to give us the impression that something the fuck is wrong with Luke's force access. See, for me, it just feels like he's being written poorly. Like, there's, that's definitely part of this, this chapter, for sure. I mean, when you, when you also go, okay, but all of the other people that aren't like going crazy because of force stuff are also written like shit. I just feel like he's being real stupid, and I don't feel like it comes across particularly like it's because of Force stuff, because we never get anything from his perspective. It's always from Han, mm-hmm. which means it's just, oh, Luke walks into the room and he acts like a big dumb asshole and then leaves, and you're like, okay, but that's not like, we aren't getting an internal monologue where Luke's going like, oh, this is, this is weird, I can't. I can't feel anything. I should be able to feel whatever. And, like, he's freaking out internally, and it becomes a thing that happens externally. Well, I think a lot of the problem here is that this book has kind of a shaggy dog joke structure to it, where I, I feel like we're not going to figure out anything about what's actually going on until the last chapter. Because we're we're past the halfway mark now. This is chapter 8 of a 14-chapter book, and the furthest we've gotten along is knowing that the two bad guys are connected somehow. Yeah, I mean, the only time we get Luke where it's sort of a... Very clear, explicit, he's got some shit going wrong, is when he was near Waru. So you can be like, oh yeah, Waru fucks with his shit a little. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, but we've had other examples of the scene where he's standing in the middle of, of his room with his lightsaber out, and it changes color while he's holding it, and then it flares. That's weird. There's something weird going on. See, now for me, I would assume that it's just a thing that happens when he gets emotional because someone's bad at writing. Oh, okay, fair. Yeah, fair. I mean, whatever. I, I mean, I think Vonda here is a better writer than uh, than our last guy, and that's that's. Oh like no, a- she's one hundred percent better at writing from a technical standpoint. I feel the conveyance of the ideas she is trying to get across could be done far better, and mostly because of the uh, perspectives we're getting. Like sure. I said, okay. Well, at any rate, what basically happens is he will not take. Waru was a murderer for an answer. Which is very weird. Yeah, he keeps saying, well, how do you know? And But he's a healer just over and over and over again. I'm like, dude, uh, it be- because you, you have two people who are like, I just watched him kill a guy. Are you sure? Yes, I saw well, it happen. He says, but he's a healer with the frequency that my uncle says Benghazi. Ha! <laughs> uh... So th- it's, a, it's a problem here. It, it gets to a problem to the point where Zaveri's like, look, just go. Like, just leave me in here with Han, please, because Han, honestly, this is not, you arguing that Waru is probably nice is not useful to this guy who is super stressed out, because he just saw a child die. Look, look, I get it, hashtag not all Warus, but you need to go. Yeah, please, <laughs> please take this toxic energy to a different room. And he's off, he's off in, the, in the other room being like, ugh, well, stupid, I, oh, t- yeah, this is, this is because of the mainstream media listening to, to Ar- Anita Sarkeesian's take on Waru. <laughs> If they just listen to InfoWars. <laughs> Catch him in bed with a Waru. <laughs> Kissing Warus. <laughs> Waru vomit. 
Well, yeah, I mean. And Waru does vomit quite <laughs> a bit. That's definitely some shit we've seen. <laughs> hey, look, if you uh, if you head on down to the website, we got the, the bottled Waru vomit now available in gel tabs. This is the most powerful substance known to man for male virility. If you're if you're uh, looking for a low-T solution, then Waru vomit available now right there at the InfoWars store. I'm telling you, folks, this is a shoestring budget. We don't we aren't supported by the government in any way. We're powered by nothing but Waru vomit, I-Core, and scales. Uh, it's, a, it's a striving business same (laughs) so all right uh anyway eventually luke capitulates and leaves and i guess basically zaveri just hugs han to sleep yeah i mean this is a a very sweet moment where han is like i haven't slept and i'm stressed out and i just watched someone get killed and i'm losing my shit and zaveri's like dude just just calm down here let me let me just like hug you and pat you on the head and he's like okay Okay, I'm going to go to sleep. Now. And he, fall, he falls asleep. And then we cut back over to uh, Lelila, uh, who is sending a coded message about the location of the, of the refugee ships to General Han Solo. Because Lelila doesn't know General Han Solo and would definitely not dare to contact him personally or would never dream of the warmth of his hand or of his body in the night as as someone like Prince. You know what? I'm refusing to buy into the fact that she's trying to be a method actor because literally every single look into her head is her going, because I'm not Princess Leia. You know what Princess Leia would do is all of this stuff, but I I probably won't. That's not method acting. That's okay. That's method acting. If you are an absolute narcissist who cannot method act, ah. that's like if you, you, that's like if you ask Daniel Day Lewis to be like, "All right, I need you to become this tailor." Okay, well, as a noted actor, I'll become this tailor, but I'm not. I'm a noted actor. Yeah. Ah, oh, yes, I, I, I'll definitely uh, tailor these clothes to you, sir. Daniel Day Lewis doesn't know how to tailor clothing, but a tailor probably does, and that's what I'm playing. It's the method. Uh, yeah, she is awful. Just the worst. So God damn it. So, uh, right before Riau finished her big story about Hathrier and told, told them, you know, and then she falls asleep immediately after she finished the story. She says, take me to Chalcedon, which let's be fair. Chalcedon's a great name for a Star Wars planet. Yeah, sure. Chalcedon. Sure. Why I'm not? Bi- I'm a big fan of the concept of Chalcedon as a planet name. That's, that's rad. I mean, it's short for Chalcedony, so you can kind of picture like a gem vibe going on with the planet. Yeah. It also has kind of a Carcadon sound, so it's like shark crystals, the planet. And it's like, dude, I'm, this is rad. I like this name. It's a planet. It just looks like a big crystal shark. Rad as fuck. That would be... Okay, if this book was called The Crystal Shark... Yeah, if it was The Crystal Shark... Vonda McIntyre's The Crystal Shark. Everyone goes on a rad adventure at a planet that looks like a shark. And then it turns into a giant shark, and it starts ro- rampaging through the galaxy, eating other planets. <laughs> We have to stop this crystal shark. It has cold, lifeless eyes. Well, yeah, they're made of crystal. Yeah, yeah well. Let me finish the thing. Hold on. Like a doll's eyes. Like a giant doll's eyes. Like a giant doll that has crystals for eyes. <laughs> so, so, uh, they, so, Lalila, or Leia, inputs the coordinates for Chalcedon into Alderaan's controls. Which, by the way, it's still just called Alderaan. Yep. Uh, and then, after she puts in the controls and the ship starts powering up to go to light speed, she yells real loud. She just goes, yeah, like she's Bastion on the back of Falcor. Yeah, she's she's just like, woo! 
Yeah! Yeah! Which I love because Chewbacca joins in, and she takes it as, it's cathartic for both of them, but both of us are reading this as her yelling randomly in the cockpit just scares Chewbacca. Yeah, like, like she sits down and starts very calmly inputting coordinates into a computer. There's nothing weird about this. Chewbacca walks into the room and sits down, and he's like, oh, all right, fine, let's, let's go on an adventure, let's... Let's do that. Yeah! Whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> what? Every day with this woman. God, you are going to give me a heart attack. I am 235 years old. Won't you please think of Lumpy? Because God knows I won't. Ooh, that boy's ugly. <laughs> so, also, they have a brief moment right before they take off where she sits, where, where Chewie sits down and she's like, look at your colors. You're so handsome as a brindled Wookiee. And then he grabs some of her hair and she's like, no. I'm just boring looking. <laughs> ah! uh, God damn it. <laughs> I don't. Why? Leo, why? The only colors I had that were good are black and silver, and I gave them to you because whoever saw a green Wookiee? <laughs> Who ever saw a green? I would love some random green on him and just be like, oh, it's Moss. He's from the sloth Wookiees. <laughs> the Slookies. Oh, them Slookies. <laughs> They hang out at the Jersey Shore of of Kashyyyk. <laughs> Jim Tanning slowly brachiating. That's us. <laughs> Slookies. <laughs> so uh, that's all that happens there. We actually jump right back to Han, who was having a ridiculous nightmare. Oh. Where his son Anakin is being pursued by an evil, emotionless space snake. <laughs> yep. Who turns into Boba Fett. Let's let's stop for a second and evaluate what Han's fear level of Boba Fett should be. Canon, Han met Boba Fett twice. One time, he was standing behind Darth Vader, a much scarier person. <laughs> and the second time, he was blind and knocked him into a pit. <laughs> Did not see Boba Fett, accidentally killed Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah, Boba Fett is a guy that when I got near him, I accidentally murdered when I couldn't see. I was asking where he was... And then he foolishly died because I poked him with a stick. He's the scariest bounty hunter in the galaxy. He's been dead for 20 years, and I'm still terrified of him. Yep. I mean, I can at least say that maybe the image of him when you are getting, like, fucking dipped in carbonite is enough to cement that in your head. But it really should be Vader. Yeah, it should be Vader in this scene, but it's fine. Whatever. So he's he's suddenly terrified of Boba Fett. And then it turns out that Boba Fett has some Waru colors. Some of them Waru colors. He's got some of that red and gold Waru color situation Let happening. Waru colors shining through. <laughs> Those goopy Waru colors. That's why I crush you. That's, uh, that's the dumbest song parody we've ever written. There you go. All we right. did it. We did it. <laughs> Dear Weird Al. <laughs> Not have sick I, of Star Wars parodies yet? Have I got an idea for you? Also, Weird Al. I need you to get the plates. <laughs> that's, no one. No, that's like literally a joke for Quinn. <laughs> that, <laughs> Quinn, I hope you're listening. That was a joke for you. So, okay. Uh, it turns out that the next thing that happens in the dream is that Boba Fett turns into Waru, and then Waru seduces Anakin, and Anakin's running towards Waru when suddenly Zaveri is shaking Han awake. Yeah. So she shakes him awake, and he's like, I had a nightmare. And she's like, I've lived a nightmare. Because I guess she's one of those people you can't just like tell a problem to without her having to one-up you about it. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things where you're like, oh, man, I really busted my knee up. I lost a leg. What? You, you still have two legs. Shut up. <laughs> ah! 
<laughs> kids these days. Kids. So, always whining. And then they, they have a brief moment of commiseration where Han's like, I'm so glad I was able to get some sleep. And she's like, yeah, I had to put you into a lying down position because you're too old to sleep sitting up. Do you remember that time we had to spend a night sleep, uh, laying in each other's backs, sleeping, sitting up in mud up huh? to our necks? Do you? And I'm like, when did they, how, how much time, every time the two of them have a conversation, it immediately calls up a relevant story from their past. How long could these two have actually been friends? We, well, well, yeah, because every time it's a story, it's like, hey, we hunted down this random Imperial guy, or we were on some planet getting chased by a thing, or this one where it's, we were for some reason trying to sleep in mud that if you we were both asleep, we would drown in. So we had to hold each other in the mud so that one of us could sleep while the other one held the sleeping one. The most romantic way to sleep in mud. <laughs> yeah, and, that super hot, sexy mud sleep. But how, how, how long were they? I mean, when we first meet Han Solo in, in A New Hope, he's like 22. Yeah, and we know he went to the military academy on Corita in the in the Empire. So he maybe got out because we know he dropped out, maybe around eighteen or nineteen years old. So there's a three year window, maybe during which he definitely met Chewbacca, got the the Falcon from Lando, uh, went on all the Brian Daly Han Solo adventures by himself, just him and and uh, friggin' Chewie, and then I guess spent a year or two palling around with this lady. It just doesn't add up. <laughs> It it doesn't add up, Vonda. It doesn't make any sense, Vonda. You didn't do this. This character makes. I understand. It's because they really want this backstory connection to exist. Well, yeah. I mean, like I had said when we first met her, it it's supposed to feel like oh, this has been written about before, and Han knows this person, and like you should know this person, and here's all this background info. Yeah. But I'm like, no, man. You can't just be like, yeah, several years of your life was with this. I I made up a dude and. Here they are. Seems like she seems like Han would have mentioned her during the the movies. Then, if he had just finished being best friends with her, <laughs> anyway, he then launches into the most annoying thing a married guy can do, which is badger one of his single friends about why they're single. <laughs> Where he's like, "Hey, Zaveri, how come you ain't got nobody?" And she's like, "Well, I would have dated you if you had been up for it." And he's like, "Yeah, but that's not what I'm asking about because I get some on the regular now from a princess." <laughs> what I'm saying is. Why haven't you settled down with a nice man yeah. yet? Where's a nice man in your life? And she's like, I'm fine. I don't need a man. Well, you really ought to reconsider because I feel like you'd be happier with a man. And, and she just won't, or I'm sorry, he will not take no for an answer here. And this is the second time he's done this in this book. Yes. Because he also went after Luke for the same thing. He's like, Han, you know what you need is a relationship. You know, when I got married, you'll understand when you have kids. Oh, I will stab you. Things will change. Things change when you see the world through a whole new light. It's just like, dude, Han, let single people be single. Shut up. Just, just stop, man. Just don't do this. This is don't be that guy. Don't be. That's the worst guy. <laughs> anyway, she gets grumpy about him doing this to her, so she leaves. Yeah, she's like, oh, well, uh, you're a dickbag, and I'm gone. Bye. Yeah. So she leaves, probably to go back to hanging around Waru, and Han gets up, stumbles without knocking into Luke's hotel room. <laughs> Luke furiously masturbating no <laughs> luke is sitting outside in the radiation sunlight cross-legged on his balcony yeah he is meditating looking at the cool crystal star situation which doesn't get enough mentions in the book so he's up there looking at the crazy star floating through the sky looking all weird and and meditating and then han goes to get breakfast yeah well i mean he he gets his packet but oh there's problems he whines to an unconscionable degree for a guy who just finished reminiscing about the good old days where he had to sleep up to his neck in mud. Yeah, he's like, oh man, I remember back when I had crazy cool misadventures. Anyway, why isn't there any fresh fruit here? Where's the fr 
I specifically requested a caffeinated tea solution. Excuse me, I I needed some Greek yogurt. <laughs> 3PO, this is a croissant. Well, yes, Master Han, a croissant, that's what you requested. I wanted a cronut. <laughs> I think you know. I think you understand six million languages, and one of them should have the word cronut. Where is my cronut? But it, 3PO's doing his best, because they're out of money. Yeah, he's and, like, look, I, I found all these rations on the ship, and they're the only things that are edible. And then on the way back, I stopped and picked some gross meat flowers. <laughs> look, I found these flowers, and it looks like, I don't know, the back room of an Arby's. <laughs> I'm going to go to that back room of an Arby's well a lot during this. So this time we managed to bring some of the stank meat flowers here into the hotel room, as 3PO has crudely arrayed them into a bouquet and stuck them on the center of the table. Stinky, gross meat flowers. Yeah, these these flowers that are kind of bulbous and red and meaty. Kind of like if an edible arrangement was made out of a taco stand. (laughs) Yeah, it is basically like, here, I picked these flowers. They're beef jerky. (laughs) So... Han immediately starts yelling about the flowers. He's like, these flowers are the stinkiest things I've smelled since I was on Oatrego. Jesus Christ, it looks like you gave me a bouquet made out of Hulk Hogan. So, based on the one-line toss-off reference to the planet Oatrego, where something else was stinky, I decided to do a quick Wikipedia foray that does not count as my my bonus content episode. John, did you know that the planet Oatrego is a planet that's known for its flowers and that Han Solo was there once? (laughs) Full stop. Now you know. There we go. That's all of the information about that planet. Uh-huh. I mean, also, there's a bit about how it was used in some video game because they needed a planet name. But, but yeah, that's it. Also, that's wrong. That's wrong, Wikipedia. Oatrego was not known for its flowers based on this context. Huh. It's known for something stinky being there, according to Han. That's not enough for it to be known for anything. Uh. If, if I were to be like, that's the stinkiest thing I've smelled since I was in Las Vegas, people would think people would infer I thought all of Las Vegas was stinky. They'd think I encountered one anomalous stinky thing there. That, and, and that's just a city where it was like, oh yeah, I was on this planet and there was something stinky there. You're like, oh, it's a planet of stinks. It's yeah. a big old stink planet. Nothing but stink flowers, the whole planet across. He also doesn't say anything about how he smelled a stinky flower on Oatrego. I mean, I will say this. It is Star Wars, so probably it is an entire stink planet, because that's what happens in the Star Wars universe. Your planet gets a gimmick, and that's what you get. I'm just calling out Wikipedia for shoddy information gathering, and I'm calling on you, the listener, to go fix it. <laughs> we let's, need you let's get to some, fix Wikipedia. Let's get some editorial discrepancy in here on the details of what constitutes the, descri- the appropriate description of the planet Oatrego. Yeah. It is definitely a planet that Han went to. And that's an O with two dots over it. Ooh, a Trago. Yeah, it's an ooh, a Trago. So, uh, all right. He Then he whines about ration packs for a while, and he's like, I think these might be expired. Ooh, they taste all powdery. I uh, hate this. It's so crumbly, man. And then Luke comes blazing in with, uh, well, let's, let's just say some self-righteous Christian overtones anger. Uh, he is deeply mad because... When when Zaveri said, please just give us a moment alone, he left, and then they spent the night together. Yeah. She never left until this morning. Oh, Han, I'm so mad at you. He's super, he's like unrealistically mad. He's like, oh, you dickbag. I can't believe the things you did in there. You said that you just would needed a moment, and then you spent the night with her. How dare you, Han? And what we're setting up here is an unbelievable amount of idiot plot. Which, let's let's define the term. Idiot plot means that if these two characters talked for three seconds, that this whole storyline would come to nothing immediately. Well, yeah, if they would actually 
come out and say even what they were angry about, it wouldn't happen. But they have to dance around, and neither one of them can say, oh, I, I think you slept with this person. No, I didn't sleep with this person. It's, oh, Han, I can't believe you. Why, you were only supposed to be in there for a moment. How dare you accuse me of something, kid? Yeah, don't call me kid. Well, I will call you kid if you're going to accuse me of things and impugn my honor. Which, if if Luke came out and said it, I think you just fucked that severely later. Then Han could be like, I did not. No, I woke up fully clothed. Nothing happened. Also, dude, you have been on the Millennium Falcon when I have boned down. You know I sound like a wounded Wookiee when I come. Yeah, enough to scare Chewbacca under the kitchen table. <laughs> Which is good, because normally he likes to watch. We have to close the door and make sure he doesn't get in. And not like, this isn't even a dog joke I'm doing right now, Luke. I mean, he sits in there and crosses one leg, pulls out a book, gets a pipe. Oh, yeah, he's mm. just like, yes, mm. proceed. Mm, very good. Han, I believe you might be the Corellian stallion I've been looking for. <laughs> uh, I have a proposition for you. I believe you'll find it. Quite titillating. <laughs> Please leave the keys to the Millennium Falcon in this fishbowl. <laughs> so, but yeah, basically we have a big old slapdown fight about whether or not Han and Zaveri just had sex. How big of a fight? Luke goes for his saber at one point. Yeah, which he doesn't draw it. No, but he like puts his hand underneath his robe where the saber is. Yeah. And I, I just kind of wanted Han to be like, look, kid, even if I did fuck her, I'm not married to you. <laughs> you go tell my wife. Go get me in trouble. But quit yelling at me. Well, for me, I'm like, you know, a lightsaber, especially to a dude like Luke Skywalker, who is ridiculously good with a lightsaber. Uh, at that point, if I was in an argument with someone and we were having like a misunderstanding and I was like, oh, man, this person thinks something weird. I have to disabuse them of that notion, and they reach for a gun, I'd be like, whoa, whoa, okay, settle down. Yeah, I, I, I understand just a second ago I was rampaging on about my honor or whatever, but let's really make this clear. I did not sleep with her. Yeah. Instead, it, he's like, kid, how dare you? Oh, how dare you? He turns into <laughs> Nixon all of a sudden. You're fired. <laughs> uh, I need to go find out what's happening with Waru. <laughs> You know, if I had boned down, it would have frightened the checkers into your room. <laughs> uh, oh, I haven't been this turned off since I met Bebe Raboso. <laughs> oh, God damn. This is this is, a, this is an old person episode, John. <laughs> this is for the old people out there. All right, folks. In the next step, in the next scene, Waru is busy accepting wooden nickels. <laughs> can Squeezing see. all the charmony can. <laughs> Can C-3PO get these rations to taste good if he radar ranges them first? <laughs> I hear there might be some Johnny Cakes in the icebox. Oh, Johnny Cakes. So anyway, uh, <laughs> the old people episode of Expounded Universe. <laughs> so so in, anyway, Luke storms out. Yeah. He's like, so mad that he can't put up with it anymore. No, he's just like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm out. I, okay, sure. Again, this... This feels less like Luke is going crazy and more it's just bad writing because Han also acts like a goddamn idiot in this. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, Han's affected by this crystal star. Well, the problem I have with this scene, and I'm willing to accept that this one really just looks like bad writing and not that Han's, is that Han has noted on several occasions leading up to this moment that Luke seems a little weird. 
Yeah. Like, more than once, he's been like, oh, man, what's going on with Luke? He's, like, all sallow-eyed and crazy. He's 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 been real weird. He's going full Boogie Nights Alfred Molina. <laughs> he is definitely just wandering around while a kid does firecrackers in the background. He sets off fire. He's got his robe open. I, I came into his room last night, and he was just singing Sister Christian. <laughs> Homespun underwear out there for all the world to see. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that's just... The impression that Han should have of Luke at this point. He's he knows Luke really well. They've been friends for longer than Han, than Luke has known that Leia is his sister. Yeah. He should know full well when, when Luke is acting fucking crazy. And when he is, he shouldn't be like challenging Luke. He should be like, hey man, are you are you okay? Yeah. Let's let's have that conversation instead of me getting mad at you. Let's hold hold on, Luke. Let's dude. I am concerned for your well being. Yeah, it's I mean it's one thing for him to be offended, which I understand where Han would be like if he responded with, I would never do that to Leia. How dare you suggest I would? That would be something. But instead he's just like, how dare you say that to me, kid? I'm like, oh, come on, man. Dude, you know, how much do you need to defend your honor to Luke? First of all, why are you defending your honor at all? You're Han Solo. <laughs> Remember, you're the guy who shoots first. You don't have any honor. You're a scruffy smuggler. So I'm the general of the Alliance now. Yeah, but come on. This Give whole it. this whole trip is about you trying to get away from that. Trying to get back to your roots. Yeah, it's just how many times have you been mistaken for someone who just who just fucked a lady before? <laughs> it's got to be a lot, right? I mean, that's you're a scruffy scruffy good-looking smuggler. There has to be a point where you're in a space barn and some space farmer comes in and catches you with his space daughter. Yeah, that that has to have happened to Han Solo at some point. <laughs> I, I, whatever it's so weird but then luke's like i don't even know what i'm gonna do i'm too angry to talk to you right now i'm leaving and he storms out and this leads to my favorite thing ever which is the the traumatic return of of sassy 3po <laughs> he just pops up oh did master luke not like his breakfast yeah uh, <laughs> god damn it which i know is supposed to be fully innocent like yes actually- i know he's supposed to come in and be like oh i don't i don't know what's going on i'm incapable of reading human emotion i'm willing to blame myself for this it's probably because i i served gross rations near meat flowers yeah. but, but instead he could it, it's it reads as so sassy oh yeah every time i read 3po now i'm like this guy's great i'm on board with this he is, sassy 3po he's like the oscar wilde of space now <laughs> <laughs> oh did master luke not like his breakfast snap snap i'll be in the kitchen <laughs> uh i would like to say in this chapter not unrelated to this, mm-hmm. I I gotta feel like if this is done in the way that it should be, like from a uh, a storytelling perspective, I have to imagine that the fate of Hethrier is getting crushed by Waru. Like if he doesn't get gold sacked and smashed to bits by Waru, I'm gonna be real sad. I mean, I feel like that's a Chekhov's goop. Like we we pretty much have established that that's the only way for him to possibly die. And I genuinely, I will tell you 100%, I do not remember. But I I feel like having gotten this far into the book, if he doesn't get that as his comeuppance, it would be very weird to me. I only remember one thing going forward in this book, uh, and that is that there's a scene where Han has to, I don't remember who else, but Han and some other people go swimming in Waru. (laughs) And I don't remember how. And I don't remember the setup, and that's the only prophetic vision that remains in my head. And I think that happens. I don't know what happens to Hethrier. So going forward, nothing about me, about this book is is knowledge to me until such time as as Han Solo goes for a Waru swim. Ah, oh, good. 
that's fuck I don't want to dive into a jacuzzi of beef stew. That sounds terrible. I think it's just gold. I think cuz the gold scales are like infinite or whatever, but I again, I don't remember. <laughs> Literally all I remember is a swim in Waru. That's Great. it. I have no idea what that constitutes. Guys, we've got that coming up, so that, you'd better listen to st- our future episodes. Stick around, folks. A Waru <laughs> swim is probably going to happen. Unless a good my- old dip in the local Waru pool. <laughs> the local Waruing hole. <laughs> Waruing hole. It's good because it sounds almost like watering. <laughs> it's close, in a way, to watering. <laughs> Well, there you go, folks. That's uh, that's chapter eight. The end is is uh, it's three PO gets the button on this one. Yeah, and it's what a button. That was the best part of this chapter by a mile. Three <laughs> PO's been bustling around all the way through this chapter. Before that, he's like, "Oh, Master Master Han seems so upset. I I probably have some wine or some tea. I ought. Why don't I have tea? Oh no, it's probably because you fucking spent it all on gambling. Yeah, you dick." And then Han's like, I don't even want tea. And he's like, tea is good after a shock. Huh? Mm, tea. Tea. <laughs> Everyone likes tea. I'll get you tea. A little sleepy time. Uh, some chamomile. <laughs> Here you go, you big baby. Here's some cranberry juice because you're acting like such a girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Sassy 3PO is my new, my new jam. Oh, sassy 3PO. All right. So that's the end of the chapter. Uh, I don't know what's coming next. Who knows? Prob- Who could possibly know? Probably the planet Chalcedon. Is could- that his little planet? No, it's not. Okay. His little planet is literally called, like, the pro- uh, Promise of Rebirth or something. Well, I know it's it's like a ship that he could fly around. They mention that in this chapter, that normally he would fly around in his little planet ship. Yes, he would prefer to fly around in the planet ship. He mentions this. He says, I hate getting these ships. I'd rather just fly around on my planet ship, but... Uh, I can't because, you know, I'm a wanted... Because it would be super conspicuous to fly somewhere in a planet. And also I'm a wanted criminal, and I'd be really worried about it. that. I mean, what happens if a planet pops up in your orbit? Don't you, aren't you worried that that's going to fuck up your local tide structures? Also, wasn't the whole fact that the Death Star was the size of a moon a giant thing that, like, oh, fuck, we've never heard of that, and yet this dude was flying around in a goddamn planet ship? Oh, John, it's worse than that. I This was one of the things I considered for today's bonus content. And so I looked it up. It's not interesting. But it turns out there are three of these things. Oh, good. The other two both belong to some douche shit from the comic books that I couldn't care less about, except for the fact that his name is Devian. Oh, fabulous. Uh, but at one point, one of these things, the one of the two owned by Devian, was dressed up like a Death Star for the purposes of fooling people into thinking it was the third Death Star. Ah. So. Ah. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they are roughly Death Star sized. Oh, good. It's good to know that the Empire had the resources to make a Death Star and then also three other Death Star-sized things for shits and giggles to hand out to randos. I mean, these things don't even count as Death Stars. I mean, there are something like four actual Death Stars, I'm pretty sure. And then that's not counting the Darksaber, which is just the weapon from a Death Star. Yeah. There are so many Death Stars. Guys, Death Stars. It's just Death Stars all the way down. I'm also, when talking about this, not counting Starkiller Base. No, you shouldn't. Or the Sun Crusher. None of those are Death Stars. I'm only talking about Death Stars. Only Death Stars. <laughs> Oops, all Death Stars. <laughs> Oops, all Death Stars would be a great name for, for a Star Wars Expanded Universe book. Also, that would be a great little serial, because they're already little spheres. You yeah. can have an Oops, all Death Stars. Yeah, Captain Crunch, Oops, oops all Death Stars. I'd buy that. Come on. Finally, a serial that comes in gray and black. <laughs> Just like me. Tastiest of the colors. <laughs> 
All right, folks. Uh, as I mentioned previously, we do a bonus content episode for every single one of these expounded universes. And to make the bonus content work, what we do is we go on Wikipedia to find objects of interest from this episode to uh, to discuss at length in a couple stories on the bonus content episodes. If you would like to get those, they're relatively inexpensive. You just need to support our Patreon at $2 per episode. And uh, just as a reminder, that'll only ding twice a month on average. Yeah, that is a steal at twice the price. You're really, if you put, if you do $2 an episode and don't do anything else, you're really you're really pledging $4 a month. and Which is about a dollar per bonus content if all you wanted was this. Yes, because you still get the other ones from System Mastery, too. It, it really it boils down to about $0.75 cents an episode, which is a steal. Crazy. So please come on down, support us at our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash system mastery. Uh, I, I can't give anything away about this bonus content, but I can give you a hint. Mine has nothing to do with this chapter at all. Yay. <laughs> mine I, is barely connected. I fell down a wormhole. <laughs> yeah, that'll happen when you get into that Wikipedia hole where you're like, let me look up something weird. Oh my god, I did not realize how far down this goes. Yeah. I'm going to start clicking through to names that look dumb, and then I'm going to click to planets that look dumb, and then I just found weapons that look dumb. Yep. So, it's going to be a good time, and once again, you can find that at patreon.com slash systemmastery. $2 is what it'll cost you to unlock about four episodes of this bonus content a month, and it's a good, good deal. So good. Otherwise, you can find us as uh, System Mastery at systemmasterypodcast.com or System Mastery on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, or Reddit. Uh, right, right, yes, right, right, yes, right? that is right. Is this correct? It is correct, yes. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher, please. Please. Please, please but, do. Please. For the love of God. P- please help. <laughs> Halip. <laughs> please. And more importantly than iTunes and Stitcher, which are dinosaurs of the podcast industry, go out and talk about us on Twitter and in forums and stuff. That will help. Yeah, That's go tell everyone thing. how rad we are. Go get on your subreddits and your something awfuls and your farks and whatever and, and be like, you old, old man. I don't know what the new ones are. Is it some variation on something Chan? <laughs> I don't know the what current, the kids go to these days. What's the days? current forum that people talk on? Look, go on to your BBSs and your web rings. <laughs> I need you to go to that Star Wars web ring and let everyone know about us. Folks, what I need you to do is send a teletype to the Usenet. <laughs> Look, if you could just get your Angel Fire page up and running with a little <laughs> gif of us spinning and a MIDI playing in the background. Post links to our IRC discussion in your local AOL chat room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, old! it's the old people episode. Old people. Uh, like I said, just talk about us on Twitter and Facebook and forums and stuff. Help new people find us. That's the best thing you can possibly do. Indeed. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. I, as always, have been Elan Sleaze Bagano, and I love death sticks. (laughs) 